fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. I'm going to throw back to uh, one of our episodes we did not that long ago and start singing The Doors. This is the end. My only friend, the end. This is our last episode of 1991, gentlemen. Oh, my gosh. Where is this? Oh, my gosh. I know. 30 years ago. 30 years ago. It was my understanding there would be no math on the podcast. Thank you. Yes. This year, this year for me was like, since we started off, we started off with the Rocketeer. So for me, this was kind of like Pat being like, what movie are you excited for, Pat? Batman. You mean in four years, Batman? Yeah, Batman. That was kind of like this year for me. So now that we're at the end of 91, I mean, there's plenty of amazing stuff to look forward to in 92, but I'm like, all right, that went fast. That that escalated yeah, yeah. quickly. Yeah, you're you're kind of at a uh, you know there's peaks and valleys. And you're at a peak and you're trying to find the next peak. Mm-hmm. So what's the next peak you're looking forward to? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I would probably have to limit it to just looking at next year. Otherwise, this could get crazy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I will say I, the one that I think I'm looking forward to just cause I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about is, um, and that's not till 93. I mean, I'm looking forward to stuff in 92, uh, demolition man. Yeah. You know what? The one I'm, the one I'm looking forward to for next year is army of darkness. Yeah. And the one I'm looking forward to defending the most is alien three. <laughs> We could have told you that. Yeah. Now you have to defend against former host Jason Ko. Yes. And friend of the show and host of the excellent podcast Shirley Podcast, Jason Colon, right? Yes. So basically, it's a horror movie, John versus Jasons. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But that's okay. fine. I I have I have a. I have a lot of reasons why I like Alien 3. I understand people's misgivings about it, but I have a lot of reasons. I, in fact, you could say I have a plethora of reasons for why I like Alien 3. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Like, I was surprised. I had to defend I had to defend a little bit Iron Eagle. Yeah. I had to defend a little bit Iron Eagle. That's true. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't ready for that, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, not, not questioning anyone's feelings on it. It's just that in the circles that I run in, like, there's not that many people that don't like Iron Eagle. Yeah. I think I liked Iron Eagle. I think it was, you know, it had some issues, as 
many movies do, but no. I'm pretty no. sure I got to go back and watch it again, but I'm pretty or listen to the podcast. I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it. I think so. How can yeah. you not enjoy it? It's I might have I might have pulled a pat. I'm fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> I want to go back and listen to our Giver episode because I, that totally reminds me of like the entire conversation. That, it's well, fine. That that was the clip that I sent out after I listened yeah. to you talk about Giver. As soon as you were as soon as I heard you talk like the tone in your voice, like everything. I was like, it's, oh my God, it's like Ross. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's just aliens. They're all fight that. I got to, yeah, I got to listen to that. Jeffrey, what movie are you looking? What is your Pat's 89 Batman five years in advance movie for now? Um, I think it might be Jurassic Park. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think that might be the the just the next pinnacle movie for me that I'm really psyched to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your favorite movie? It's it's up there. It is up there. I mean, I've I've, I've talked about it on this podcast before in, in various episodes. You know, just one of those. It's one of those movies just landed yeah. at the right time for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were talking today, Pat, how you and I are the same age. So it was mm-hmm. right after movie came out right after our freshman year in high school. Mm-hmm. I had just finished reading the novel for a joint language arts biology class study in school. So I had the background of the book going into the movie and then the advancement of the technology in the movie just blew my mind. Just the, the, the same way that Roger Rabbit landed for me when I was that much younger. Yeah. How did they do that? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the movies that made us episode on Jurassic Park? Oh yeah. Yeah. How many? How many times? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's. It's not if. It's how many yeah. times. Yeah. Did 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 that? Was that the one that had the anim? Uh, not an animator, but maybe the special effects guy that was like right out of central casting for like 1950s kind of like greaser hot rodder dude. Yeah. And they were going in. Okay. Th- th- he seemed like a really cool guy. I mean, obviously he's really good, but he like, when they did the movie, he like, like they didn't want to let Steven Spielberg see what his animations were like. So he had to kind of sneak it in and then, or something. Was that that guy? If I remember, was that yeah. the. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah. They, they were trying to keep the animate, the computer animation on the down low. And when the big wigs came in, they had it quote unquote, accidentally left running yeah. on a monitor nearby yeah. and it yeah. caught the attention of, of all the people they wanted it to catch the attention of. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. That's my, I think that'll be the, the next big movie. I'm super pumped to talk about. It all works. It all works. The, the, uh, the music special effects. Yeah. The characters, the acting, it's just, it's, 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 it's a lot of great fun. As, as a book adaptation, I thought it really works. Yeah. They cleaned up a lot of the intricacies that Crichton could only get into in a book. A Mm -hmm. lot, trying to get into a lot of that in a movie would have been very boring, very confusing, very messy. Yeah. So the movie did a really nice job of just pulling the adventure story out of it. Yeah. You know what? Later in the nineties, the one I'm looking forward to is dark city. 
Never saw it. You've never saw oh. it. Oh, Jeffrey. I, I think, hold on. Do I have it? There, I, there are a lot of movies coming up that I know I haven't seen. I have it on Blu-ray, so if you need to borrow it, All it's, right. it's, it's good stuff. It's kind of like, and, and Pat, Pat may have a problem with this once I say it, it's like when I saw The Matrix, and The Matrix kind of blew my mind, I was like, good lord, this is an amazing movie. And then about a year later, when I was in college, then somebody was like, well, if you like The Matrix, like, I mean, if you want like a, a really good movie that has a little bit more substance to it, you should watch Dark City. I was like, come on, Matrix is amazing. It's got all the philosophy in it. It's all right, fine, I'll watch it. Good gravy. Dark City was like, I don't know. It, it blew my mind even more than Matrix did. Yeah, I <clears throat> I saw that on your, I might have your DVD copy, John, because I thought you loaned me it for DVD. Did I? Anyways. I, I have it on, well, maybe it's a Blu-ray DVD and maybe I loaned you the DVD disc. That could be. In any event, you, you I remember you made that recommendation on Dark City. You're like, dude, I know how much you love the Matrix. Check out Dark City. And it's, it's, it is, um, it is quite good. Maybe I had a DVD copy and I just gave it to you because I have the, the Blu-ray here is just a one disc director's huh. cut Blu-ray. Maybe I got it from the library. I don't know. You might want to return know. that if you got it from the library and. I should, man. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's mine now. Or or keep it. I mean, or I'm gonna have to bring like ten tons of Campbell's soup for the soup drive to make up for my, you know. That's true. All In right. any event, it's a great it's, movie. It is. It is an amazing movie. All right. Also well, the, a great movie. The movie that we're here to talk about uh, this evening is City <laughs> Slickers. So our last yes. movie, and what is this? This is episode number three eighty nine. So we're just a few away from four hundred, there, friends. <laughs> It's, uh, oh boy. It's, it's getting real again. Um, so, and for 400, I think we've, we've already, I think, shared this with, uh, with the folks at home that for 400, we are going to go back and try to re-record our very first episode minus the Mexican restaurant this time. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I still think if there's any way to extract the audio and have us all read the transcript, <laughs> that would be just outstanding. I will I'll have to see if I can still find the file. It's got to be on a flash drive somewhere. But yeah, I, yeah. Or we all read each other's audio. We could do that. We could do that. I will be, you know, I could see whoever gets stuck reading the part of Pat Canigello. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Ha, ha, ha. Awesome. Okay. During the table read tonight, the part of Patrick Canigallo will be played by Jeff Mazuka. The part of Dennis Matuch will be played by John Reed. The part of Jason Kale will be played by... I don't know. Who wants to do Jason? Patrick Jason Kennegan. Colvin. I'll, I'll be Jason. Jason Colvin. Jason Colvin. Yeah. And the part of John Reed will be played by Kevin Conroy. I spared no expense on that one. All right. For this one, let's see. Uh, we spoil things, so just be aware of that. Uh, the spoil the hell out of this one. Yeah, we do. Uh, the 30-something movie podcast is part of the Scene Stealers podcast network, and this episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent. Uh, they've got a top-class roster of movie and TV stars that can be booked if you've got a Comic-Con or other event coming up and you want some celebrities there. Um, so if you want to do that, head on over to scenestealersglobal.com. Um, and they have got, I mean, they've got a ton of people there. They've got, um, uh, let's see, they have Noah Hathaway, who played a, a Treyu. In the never-ending story, they've got a bunch of people from Big Trouble in Little China. Maybe um, he can explain to Pat 
the ending of never ending story maybe oh maybe maybe i should see if i could get him here on the show with us and see if he could just talk it out with pat we'll have a little never ending intervention pat how do you feel about that I think Pat Smoothie got to him. I, no, I, I don't. It was good. I'm just trying to use the mute button and not grab the mic, and I forgot I was on mute. Oh, it's like the beginning of Zoom all over again. Yeah, I, I would, I would love that. Bring a Treyu in. Okay. Have him explain. Have him explain it to us. Okay, but if you not to us, to me, not to me, because I know you guys had it all figured out and imaginations and everything. But if he starts, talking, I'm just saying. If he starts talking about our tax, I'm not gonna be able to handle it. I was going to say, man, like that's, that's going to be a little bit rough. It's too soon. Too soon. Uh, once you're doing all once you're done doing all that stuff, you can head over to 30 podcast.com. That's where you can rate the show, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon and join us there. Uh, any amount that you join us with on Patreon that gets you access to the bonus episodes. Um, and we've got a lot of great bonus episodes that are over there. We have, uh, let's see, we did, well, just recently we've got um, our It's a Wonderful Life that came out. We did that one with Jason Colvin, who had never seen the movie before, and that was a great time talking about the, that one with him. Uh, we did favorite TV shows of 91. We did Evil Dead from 81. We did My Dinner with Andre from 81. We did Stripes from 81. Um, what else did we do this last year? The French Connection from 71. Raiders of the Lost Ark from 81. Guns uh, of Navarone. Guns of the Navarone. Yeah, the Guns of Navarone um, from 61. Clash of the Titans from 81. Willy Wonka from 71. So that's just what we did this year. Um, music. We did music. Remember favorite we albums? We did music. Yeah, fa it was favorite songs of 90 and 91, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of good stuff there. And that's all that bonus stuff. If you head on over there and join us uh, at any amount, any level on Patreon, that gets you access to all those bonus episodes. All right, gents, City Slickers. It came out on the yes. 7th of June, 1991, rated PG-13 with a runtime of one hour, 54 minutes. Directed by Ron Underwood, who also directed Tremors and Mighty Joe Young. Produced by Irby Smith, who also did Major League and Young Guns. Writers were Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel. Gantz did Splash and Parenthood. Mandel did A League of Their Own and Multiplicity. Cinematography was done by Dean Semler, who did The Road Warrior and Dances with Wolves. Editor was O. Nicholas Brown, who did Sleeper and Rambo 3. Music was done by Mark Shaman, who also did A Few Good Men and Sister Act. Budget was $26 million, box office $180 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 68%, and CinemaScore gives it an A. 68%? Yeah. That seems awfully low. Yeah. It did to me, too. Like, I thought, I don't know. Did I, kind of, you, did I, you I expected say, that one to be higher. Did you just say no, John, when Jeff said it seems low? Did you just go, No. <laughs> No, I said, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, he said, I know. Because all I heard was, no. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's all right. You've just been be John Splained. <laughs> this could be an interesting podcast. Uh -huh. Oh, man. No, Jeff, I uh, hate this movie. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to I'm just gonna quite come right out and say it. Is this like the last residual? It just seems like a bunch of comedies from this era, like the comedians didn't, or the comedians, the critics didn't like. Like I remember, and I know it's a couple years before, so maybe they're not the same era, but um, oh, what the heck? What the heck am I thinking? The Three Amigos. That one got kind of low marks. Uh -huh. And I, I just, I don't know. Do, do the people making those decisions get comedy? So just to give you, kind of give you a sense of this, the critic score, I think this is the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is 71%. 
Okay. Uh, Metacritic is 70%. Yeah. Uh, IMDb is a 68%. And okay. Letterboxd gives it a 66%. Yeah, I... Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just falling into the trap that, like, critics and comedy and just not fully yeah. getting it. And now, you know? for, now, for comparison, City Slickers 2 got 50%. That I, I would buy that. And that, yeah. Like that one, I'm that's a little bit more on par with what I remember. I haven't seen City Slickers 2 in a long time, but. Oh, yeah, it's been, it, it's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah. But yeah, I was a little mm-hmm. surprised. At 68 seemed a little low for City Slickers. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. what do I know? Yeah. All right, keep I, going. Again, everybody has the right to be wrong. Uh, Cinema Score gave it an A, starring Billy Crystal as Mitch Robbins. He was in When Harry Met Sally and the Princess Bride. Daniel Stern. Robbins. What's that? Say it again. Nothing. I'm just quoting oh. the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, fine. I'll have what you're having. Um, Daniel Stern played Phil Burquist. He was in Home Alone and The Wonder Years. Bruno Kirby, who died in 2006, played Ed Ferrillo. He was in Good Morning Vietnam and Sleepers. Patricia Wedig played Barbara Robbins. She was in 30-something. Uh, oddly enough, that I feel like we should have done that show here on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and she was also in the TV show Alias. Uh, Helen Slater played Bonnie Rayburn. She was in Supergirl and The Secret of My Success. Jack Palance, who died in 2006, played Curly. He was in Batman and Shane. Noble Willingham died in 2004. He played Clay Stone. He was in The Last Boy Scout and The Howling. Tracy Walter played Cookie. He was in Batman and Repo Man. Josh Mostel played Barry Shalowitz. He was in Jesus Christ Superstar and The Money Pit. David Paymer played Ira Shalowitz. He was in Get Shorty and The American President. Bill Henderson, who died in 2016, played Ben Jessup. He was in Clue and The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Phil Lewis played Steve Jessup. He was in Heathers and Kicking and Screaming. Jeffrey Tambor played Lou. He was in Hellboy and Arrested Development. And Yearly Smith played Nancy. She was in The Simpsons and As Good As It Gets. Every year, three friends take a vacation away from their wives. This year, hen-pecked Phil, newly married Ed, and Mitch, terrified of his midlife crisis, decide to reignite their masculinity by taking a supervised cattle drive across the Southwest. Under the supervision of gruff cowboy Curly, the men set out on a journey that turns unexpectedly dangerous. The three men bond along the way to conquer their fear of aging. You never reach a point in your life where you say to yourself, this is the best I'm ever going to look, the best I'm ever going to feel, the best I'm ever going to do, and it ain't that great. Happy birthday. For Mitch Robbins, turning 39 wasn't the end of the world. It just felt like it. I'm losing hair where I want hair, and I'm getting hair where they shouldn't be here. I found four big fat ones on my back. I'm starting to look like the fly. He couldn't put his finger on what was missing. Show him the brochure. It's fantastic. But his friends could. Two weeks, the three of us. Driving cat. What, like in a truck? No, it's a real old-fashioned cattle drive. Go away with Ed. Take Phil. Go and find your smile. Welcome to the Stone Ranch. Believe it or not, that work you saw a while ago, y'all are going to be doing that the next two weeks. My ass hurts just watching this. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. I'll pay for that shirt, too. That is the toughest man I've ever seen in my life. Did you see how leathery he was? He was like a saddlebag with eyes. Hi, Curly. Kill anyone today? They ain't over yet. Arnold, 
Uh, I'm losing you. We're, we're going behind a butte, and Arnold... I got a special treat. We're gonna make fresh coffee. Wow, something's spooking the cattle. City folk. The scouts having a baby. Reach in and pull out the calf. You know, this was not in the brochure. This summer... Billy Crystal. Look what I did. I made a cow. Daniel Stern. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And I've got some sort of rash for making in the bushes. And Bruno Kirby. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Oh, God. Hit the trail. Oh, super life is. No, what? This. Your finger? Just one thing. What's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. Let's just leave the herd and get the hell out of here, huh? A cowboy doesn't leave his herd. Sometimes you have to get your feet wet. God, I don't like this! To sit a little taller in the saddle. I'm 39, I'm saying moo cow in a river! Do you believe this? <laughs> Came out here, city slickers. You're gonna go home, cowboys. City slickers. I'm on vacation! Patrick, what about you? How does this movie make you feel? And I'm assuming not the first time. So you're assuming correctly, but this might only be like the second time I've seen this. Okay. This is not, this is not, uh, this is not a frequent watch. And there was a lot of stuff I had to refresh myself with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so close to a first watch. Um, fun. It's, it's fun. I, uh, um, well, Jeff, you know, <laughs> we've often talked, well, all of us, but we've often talked about our love of Westerns. Um, and you know, I mean, <laughs> I kind of grew up in the burbs and all that. So, I mean, I love the Westerns. Um, it, you know, I love horses and like all that kind of stuff. My kids have gotten into horseback riding and, uh, I'm, I'm actually thinking about starting back, starting that up myself. So, I mean, like this movie, it was kind of like, dude, this probably be, be like me trying to, uh, you know, you know, uh, herd cattle and all that kind of stuff. How many words do I, am I allowed in the one word answer, John? What's, what's the maximum one word fun. I'll just say fun. That's all right. And special, and special shout out for the trailer, uh, for the temp music in there. They were using Aaron Copeland's hoedown, which was exciting to hear. You know, adding uh, kind of a kind of a different flavorish to uh, to the movie and to the scenes that were up there. So shout out for Aaron Copeland. I think it was hoedown and uh, one word fun. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. That's all I got for you for this answer. All right, that's that's enough. Jeff, what about <laughs> that's you? That's enough. You can stop now. That'll do, pig. Um, I don't think my answer is going to be anywhere near as long-winded as Pat was. Um, I hear this, that a lot. <laughs> this movie made me feel entertained. It's an entertaining movie. It's, it's not anything you have to think hard about. You just sit back, watch the story unfold, and enjoy the shenanigans, be glad that it's not you, and laugh at the funny stuff. I, I don't know. It's entertaining. And no, this is not the first time that I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, not the first time I've seen it. Um, I've probably seen it I maybe three or four times. Like not, I mean, not 
a lot over the last Ooh. 30 years, but that surprises me. Really? Or maybe it's just odd that I've seen it as many times as I have. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I probably haven't seen this. I, I'd hazard a guess and say the last time I saw it, maybe I was in high school. So I know I had seen it probably two or three times from when it came out. I know I we watched it a couple times with the family together, and then I feel like I might have watched it once during high school, and then this last time was probably the last time since then. So, yeah, it's probably only about maybe four, maybe five times at most. Um, but, yeah, no, I, this one for me, it's it's one of those, you know, it's got a little bit of a blending of, you get the sense of like a Three Amigos, you know, because it's kind of a little bit of a Western um, but whereas Three Amigos leans so much heavier into like the slapstick comedy and things like that, this one is just a little bit more, I think my word's going to be heartwarming. It's a heartwarming story. And it's got some good comedy and really funny people in it too. So what is it? Had, uh, yeah, go ahead. Had Billy Crystal been in much before this? Oh yeah. Or was he... What am I, what am I, and there's, there's probably like a bunch of movies that we've even like reviewed. I know it was when Harry met Sally. Mm -hmm. No, wait. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. And then, well, I'm trying to think of what in, else I would have seen though. Say Princess it again. Bride. Princess Bride. Okay. Throw a mama from the train. Yep. Okay. I hadn't seen that one as a kid. I'm thinking. Oh, uh, let's see. As oh. a kid, uh, well, a lot of TV. Okay. Well, you probably didn't watch Spinal okay. Tap as a kid, but he was in Spinal Tap. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of TV. He was in uh, the TV show Soap. Uh, he was in a okay. lot of episodes of that. Um, yeah. No, you know what? I, now that you mention, it's like, oh yeah, he was in all those shows. I'm thinking back to when this first came out, and I remember my folks mm -hmm. went and saw it. I, I didn't see it with my folks. But when it first came out, like uh, that was right when Billy Crystal, in my mind, was was really becoming like big name. And he was also, I think, hosting the Oscars for a couple of years there. And that was right when I was old enough to kind of enjoy watching the Oscars. And I just remember being so, Jeff, your word entertained, so entertained by how he hosted. You know what I'm saying? And that was like he had it was he it was, he was just such an engaging person. And I, and like I said, this was like right about the time that I was becoming aware of that. And I remember Jack Palance came around out on the Oscars and did the one armed pushups. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, do you guys remember all this? And it was just, oh, yeah. I was like getting to the age where I could kind of understand that humor. That wasn't just like, you know, fart jokes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember just sitting and watching the Academy Awards with my parents and like the whole family could be laughing at the humor. So that was kind of the that was kind of the reason for my question. Was Billy Crystal in much before this? It was now that you mentioned it all, it's like a dumb question on my part. But in my mind, this is when I was kind of like inter really introduced to Billy Crystal, this whole time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean it 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 it's a history of TV, really. I mean, he hadn't done many movies. He hadn't really had a lead breakout movie role at that time. But he had been for a for a pretty long stretch of time, and this is probably where my dad and the reason why I would have seen him pretty early on too. He was on Saturday Night Live for a, a pretty good stretch. I mean, he was, I want to say, even as far back as like 
when they first started, like seven, late seventies, late seventies up through mid eighties was when he was on Saturday Night Live. Um, you know, and he had he had some great he had some great parts in there. You know, he had the guy that would uh, the one I remembered most is he had the, the guy that would come on and say, uh, "You look marvelous," and he did that whole scene mm-hmm. to tell people how like how, how good they looked, and you know, if you look good, you will feel good. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And then I think he was hosting. I was looking it up on IMDb earlier. He was even hosting before the um, Oscars. He was ho- hosting the Grammy Awards quite a bit from like the mid to late seventies on. And then he had like the comic relief specials. He had a lot of stand up. Uh, I think he had a lot of stand up stuff that was on HBO. Um, yeah. So I mean, he was hosting a lot of stuff, even if he wasn't in a lot of movies at that point. He had hosted quite a bit on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of. And I think of him as a stand up uh, comedian. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I, the youngest, I mean, I probably saw him even before, I wouldn't have remembered it that way, but I probably saw him on Saturday Night Live because my dad would watch that all the time. Um, Yeah. I probably saw him on that if I stayed. He was only on Saturday Night Live for one season. Uh, I mean, he made appearances in other seasons, mm-hmm. even if he was only like a regular for one season. In 1984, that was that's his only credited season of being on SNL. Um, let's see. I know he was on. He had a. I think he had an appearance on an episode or two in the late 70s. And then he's got some from 84. There's one from 85 I see here. Well, maybe he was just really busy that one year then. Let's see. Cast member, 84 to 85. Hosted in 76. Okay. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I remember seeing him, especially going back and kind of watching, uh, watching some old um, Saturday Night Live stuff as well. You know, he was on there for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and it's just maybe one of those things. It's like your recollection as a kid. With you know, yeah, but I know that you- my my dad would have seen him from because I th- we had HBO you know, growing up. And so I, my dad probably would have watched some of his specials, would have watched the comedy relief ones, uh, the comic relief mm-hmm. ones, um, would have seen him on Saturday night live. Um, you know, so that's, that's, I would just about guarantee that that's why we ended up, you know, that's why we watched, it's one of the reasons we would have watched princess bride, uh, mm-hmm. like not long after it came out. That would have been one of the reasons we watched this movie. We might've even gone to the theater to see this, but I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, if, if somebody had been on Saturday Night Live, my, my dad was likely to go see their movie. Cool. At least up through the mid-80s. Not sure he was Got a it. huge Wayne's World fan. Right, right. Well, a different generation. That was, that was starting to be a little less his humor. And a yes. Little, and a little more mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is it? What is it about this movie? Uh, if we've all We've all had positive memories of this movie and and in particular Billy Crystal what is it if if you could name one or two things that kind of sticks out at you um what is it about this movie that leaves an impression and that clearly left a positive impression (sighs) 
uh, just the fish out of water uh, type thing, you know, guys trying to, you know, do something that they're, they're not good at slash had experience with, you know, or like a culture that they've grown up in type of thing. And um, then I would say, uh, you know, uh, a Jack Palance, right. <laughs> you know, curly, just uh, that whole thing. Uh, it sticks out in my mind. I do like to say, like you said, the kind of fish out of water thing. Mm-hmm. I do like his character in that because there have been several times where, where I myself have felt like I thought I would be good at something. I don't feel like I was anywhere mm-hmm. near as good at this as I thought I was going to be. I right. understand how these people feel like going out and trying to do something. And they're thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. And then it just completely blows up in their face on how complicated it is and how difficult it is. But one of the other things, too, is I love, you know, sometimes you think you go to work, you do your work, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I my, my job's super interesting. And then you try to tell somebody else about what you do. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of when he's t- trying to talk to the kids at, the, like, the career day thing at the school. Yeah, and the guy that went right before him. The guy that, that guy went was... right before him, which actually the guy that went right before him is um, – oh, shoot, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Is it um, – oh, Cos- uh, Cosmato. What's his first name? Why am I blanking out on this? Anyway, um, he is actually – if somebody wants to go book him for their event, uh, he is actually with Scene Stealers. So oh, if anybody cool. wants to uh, have him come to their event – um, it would help if I could remember what his first name was. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- that whole scene, I love that whole Robert, scene. Robert Costanzo. Costanzo. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole scene where he's like explaining his job and then Billy Crystal's got to go next. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. I, I have felt that a couple of times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny. And then that's you kind of, and then you kind of question, you know. You know, Pat, you and I were talking about this for just a minute earlier today. It's like there are some times in your life where you kind of question. You're like, all right, did I really expect that I was going to be doing this job? Mm-hmm. And did I, like, was this the path that I pictured for myself when I was a younger person? And mm-hmm. and I just, that when he gets to that scene, of especially <laughs> him trying to explain it to the kids in the school, mm-hmm. it just, you could tell that's kind of when it hits him is like, ugh. This is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I I try not to dwell in that pit, but there have been several times where I've kind of been in a situation where I've kind of questioned. It was like, huh, if I went back and told 16, 17-year-old me that this is what I would be doing, right? would I be super excited with myself? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Even though I, even though I know what I'm doing does good, but would 17 year old me be super excited by it? Probably not. Right. And then I guess I have to follow that and be like, do I really care what 16, 17 year old me would think at this point? Right. Well, and it's all how it's played up. You know, I mean, it's kind of played up in this movie as a dude. This is where I'm kind of dropping the ball in my life, as opposed to. No, what I do is important work, and my son just has to see that. Yeah. You know, like that, you know, it's it's just kind of how it's all played out. Uh, movie debut of Jake Gyllenhaal, by the way. 
Yeah. As his son there. That's cool. So that was also very cool. Um, after career day. If yeah. I could go back and answer the question that oh. was asked. Oh, yeah, if yeah. That, if that's okay. I mean, if, if, you, if, if you just brought me on here for my looks and you don't want me to talk, that's fine, too. I've, Dude, I feel- we want your looks and your talk. I feel like I've told you before that you are the eye candy of the podcast. This is a very sad podcast. <laughs> Jeff sleeps above the covers, four feet four above feet the covers. Above the covers. <laughs> um, no, it, what stands out to me about this and, and its longevity for me is the performances and the writing, and particularly the delivery of a lot of of the of the writing. I mean, some of the lines you look at on paper, you're like, this is really stupid. But when you hear them being, you know, just a lot of the banter between the three guys is just hilarious conversation. And it's because Mm -hmm. of the way that they deliver that conversation. It's just that the the, the characters are a lot of fun. But, I mean, just the the writing and the, the delivery for me is what really makes this movie rewatchable. Yeah. It, it's like a vehicle for even like this, the guys, you know, the, it seems like the guys on the trail, the guys that they meet, you know, it just seems like a vehicle for them to play to their strengths as comedic actors, not to downplay the story. And yeah, the, <clears throat> cause the story was heartwarming and it was about finding yourself and midlife crises and so forth. But it, it, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. It's just great to see those guys do their thing. Yeah. After we, after we have the career day at school, and um, then uh, Phil gets a little bit of trouble at the uh, birthday party when uh, Nancy shows up, and just the, the different, the different problems that each of these guys are having is, is funny but also a little sad when you think a little deeper about it um and i like that they kind of wait until a little bit later in the movie when they're out on the trail together and it's just the three of them nobody else around and they can just have they can just hash out some of these conversations um and i like that that's when they start to get into like really dealing with these problems when they've been able to just get away from everything and just talk it out with their buddies But yeah, Nancy shows up, uh, little Nancy from the grocery store, and uh, causes a bit of a bit of a stir. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> and uh, Phil's wife does not take it so well. <laughs> no. As as dislikable as she is, you can't blame her for uh, for being a little upset. Yeah. No. No. So they kind of determine that they're going to go off on another of these like adventure vacation type deals. Um, uh, we didn't mention before that the movie does start with the running of the bulls in Pamplona. Um, but uh, they come up with another idea that they're going to do this, uh, go to this cattle ranch, and they're going to drive cattle, uh, this kind of supervised cattle drive. Not in trucks, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, but they're going to do this supervised cattle drive, and, and it's going to be fun. They're going to get away. And uh, so... Basically, Billy Crystal's wife, Mitch's wife, kind of says, look, you just need to go. Like, you're kind of driving me crazy, and you got to go. Like, go, leave, 
Uh, and she kind of tells this whole little thing about how, you know, you used to smile and you don't really smile that much anymore. And she's like, you need to go and find your smile and kind of, you know, uh, the one of the sad parts of that is you almost wonder a little bit. Now, we know it's a we know it's a, a bit of a comedy. I mean, it's a it's a movie that has comedy in it. Um, I don't know if you want to straight up call it a comedy movie. Um, but one of the kind of sad undertones of that is what's the alternative if he didn't go on this cattle drive? Like she starts to imply that things are getting kind of rough being around him just being in his presence because he's getting so just twisted up over things. And so part mm-hmm. of me watching it this time was like, ah, what if that conversation went on a little bit longer? And, and what if he said, no, I don't want to go. Like, I kind of feel like she might've said some things to him that would not have done well for their relationship. I don't know. Did you guys get that? I watching it this time as an adult, I almost caught some little undertones of you need to go on this trip. Otherwise, mm-hmm. otherwise things will be, you know, irreparable. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that um, that she's not happy, or or that that she needs a break from him because she's been trying her best to stand by him and support him, and it's it's incredibly hard to do that when the person you're trying to support doesn't know what they want or doesn't know what they need. So mm-hmm. I think you, you definitely, I definitely feel, I, I won't say you, I definitely feel her frustration with him. Um, you know, and, and I see, I see myself in that a lot. And, you know, I have, I have an, uh, I have an incredible wife who, supports me in everything I do, but sometimes I drive her crazy because there are times when I need something and I don't know what that is. And I don't know how to, how to articulate that. So I can definitely see her um, having that same sort of reaction. Like you need to go away, just go away and do a thing and get your head back on straight because being together right now is not an easy thing mm-hmm. so yeah if that conversation in the movie went on any longer i definitely feel like john you're 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 onto something there like it that conversation would probably not have gone well for mitch yeah 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 and it, it kind of brings the onus it's not like a dude, he's just totally misunderstood by his family type thing. It definitely brings it back to there's some kind of growth that he needs to go through because he is not bringing his A game to the family. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's, uh, that's kind of what I hear there is like, yeah, I know something is going on. Uh, you know, his wife saying like, you know, I know something is going on. I know you got to work on this. I know you want to do this, but you need to go do this. Like you need to go now. Yeah. And I like, I like that. I like that way of saying it too. I like her line. You just, you need to go find your smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought thought that was well written. Yeah. So they get to the cattle ranch and we're kind of meeting all these different characters um, along the way as we get there, you know, we're meeting, 
um, we're meeting Cookie. We're meeting uh, Barry and Ira, who are like the Ben and Jerry's. Uh, we're meeting <laughs> Ben uh, and his son Steve. Um, we're meeting Bonnie, which is the one that like causes everybody to just stop and completely lose their minds. Um, <laughs> played, played by Supergirl Helen Slater, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we get kind of an awkward scene as we kind of get into this. We do get an awkward scene not too long after that of we've got the two cowboys are kind of cornering Bonnie and um, not uh, not quite leaving her alone. And then everybody kind of comes mm-hmm. to their defense, which then sets up later on that, you know, these cowboys are not great guys. And that kind of sets up later on for when they, you know, get, get a little drunk again. And so apparently calves and women are not safe around these cowboys. Yes, because they're just yes. e- they're just they're just evil. Yeah, they're just they're just bad dudes, bad dudes. And I, it's, I, I appreciate how Mitch tries to handle this the situations, the run-ins with the Cowboys, and just trying to rely on what he knows. You know, yeah. he he recognizes like he's not a brawler, right? He's getting in a fight with anyone isn't going to work in his favor, let alone these two larger gentlemen mm-hmm. he tries to rely on uh, on humor and I think it's it's when they're drunk later on in the movie they're trying to taunt him um, when they have uh, when they have Norman they've got the gun in his mouth trying to get mm-hmm. him to come yeah yeah, yeah. And I think you know he's like they're just gonna make fun of me so it's just like so let him because let you know, let them do what they're going to do. No one's going to look at you differently because of what they're saying to you. Let them be their bullies and and move on. So you know, I <laughs> as a surprise to absolutely no one, I'm not much of a a physical force in terms of fighting other people. I've always tried to rely on wit and humor to diffuse situations as well. So I, I definitely appreciate Mitch's attempt at trying to uh, stop an awkward situation from developing further without just coming right out and be like, what are you guys trying to do to this girl? Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, we all know what's going on. Let's just laugh it off so we can all just keep some semblance of our dignity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I appreciate that about Mitch. Maybe he's not as lost as he thought he was because he definitely has a sense of who he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And when, when push comes to shove, he has no problem demonstrating who he is. I think, I, I think that's a really good point because I think he just didn't have, yeah, I think his problem is he didn't have a way of showing his best qualities, you know, his job that he works at is maybe not the best use of his talents, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe, maybe he, maybe it is, maybe he does know himself. He just doesn't have opportunities to demonstrate that self in his everyday life. And that's what going on this trip, you know, when Curly tells him later on um, what the secret of life is, that it's his finger, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's the just one thing. Like you got to find your just one thing. And I think that's what 
that's that that's this whole trip and that's the whole thing that he's got to find is you know who you are you got to find your one thing that takes advantage of who you are and whether that's your maybe that's not your job like maybe your job is you know to quote pat from a few years ago dude it's just a job um <laughs> Maybe it's not your job, but maybe you need to find some other place where you get to use who and what you are to full advantage so that the rest of the other stuff doesn't drive you absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get the sense that Mitch's life has just gotten very mundane. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing day after day after day after day. And and I think we're really trying to we're, we're we're right now our conversation is really cracking into into the idea that yeah he just he no longer has that opportunity to showcase what he's good at or even showcasing what he's good at has gotten boring in the context of his job mm-hmm. yeah so here comes this opportunity then to um just to demonstrate what, what he's capable of, you know, reading a room and thinking quickly, acting quick on his feet. And again, not in, in the, you know, not like, um, the, uh, Bruno Kirby's character. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Ed. I like yeah. Ed who's just ready to go and, uh, just pound some guys. Like, no, that's not, you know, we're, we, we don't need to do that. This is how things, this is how things work for me. And, you know, kudos to him for not having lost everything about him, but instead starting to have that reawoken, reawaken, reawoken, awoken. One of those words. I think awoken is what uh, Ryu would yell in Street Fighter. (laughs) I think think it's reawakened. Yeah. What, whatever the I'm I'm tired. Whatever yeah. the word is that I'm looking for there, yeah. that doesn't that makes me sound smart and not like the bumbling fool I am right now. That's okay. You're the eye candy, but it's so much pressure. Um, it's your one thing. It's your finger, <laughs> not that finger. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what I was talking about now. <laughs> Whatever I was saying, that's what it was. It was amazing, whatever you said. Everything you just said was the most amazing thing we've ever heard. That's, I, I try. We're all smarter for having listened to it. I yeah. award you 50 points. Well, thank you. And God bless your soul. Oh, well, sometimes he does. Yeah. No, I love, and, and then we kind of get, we get introduced to Curly, which basically scares the crap out of everybody, which I, I don't know. I think Jack Palance just does that naturally. Like it, mm-hmm. it sounds like from reading some of the other stuff, some of the background stuff, that he's just kind of an intimidating guy in the first place. Because it sounded like there were some stories of like the first day on set, he got into it with the director, and Billy Crystal was like, "Holy cow, um, I'm a little worried about messing with this guy or like getting on his bad side." Or, and then he talked to him afterwards, and it was like not really that much of a big deal. But you know, Jack Palance in everything he's in, he just looks like one of those kind of rough guys that just you would not necessarily expect to sit down and have a have a quaint cup of coffee with him but uh kind of like a Clint Eastwood you know it's these guys that they look like they've lived about five lifetimes Mm -hmm. 
But we do get we get introduced to his character. One of the other things I was going to say is I think what Mitch does well in this is knowing how difficult this whole cattle drive is going to be. I love how he keeps up the humor. And it's all these like little things that he does because to his mind, at least what I thought while watching the movie is to his mind, I'm going to keep it light. Like I know some of this is going to be tough. I know this is going to be difficult, but I'm going to keep it light. And I'm going to keep some funny things going here and there because that's going to keep people's spirits up. And like, even when things get difficult, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I bring to this. That's, you know, whether or not he sees himself as a leader at that point, I don't know that he would say that himself. I mean, later on, I think definitely he does, even if, even if it's a little reluctantly. Um, but I, one of his, and I laugh every time I've heard this. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. Man, my ass is swollen. Get him up, move him out, wake him up, get him dressed, get him paid from the hair or hide. Tie me down, tie me lies, put my hair stuck with eyes. With a big wet strap of Yes. That's Billy Crystal at his best. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find the quote from uh, where, where they talk about how Curly is talking about how he's the last of his kind. I don't remember specifically what what terminology they use, a dying breed or something like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Jack Palance was also in that in that category. And, you know, he <clears throat> his best days are are, are behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I wonder if if that's part of part of his persona. It's just he's so maybe he was just kind of out of touch with the more modern ideology or acting styles or whatever that he just comes across as part of this more old school theatrical, you know, Hollywood royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, Ed actually says it. He says, this guy Curly is a true cowboy one of the last real men. He's untamed, a Mustang. It'll do us good to be in his world for a while. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm going to just apply some of that to Jack Palance. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, the guys that they were looking for to play Curly. Have you guys read anything about that? I know they wanted Clint Eastwood, but he wanted too much money. Yeah, Clint Eastwood wanted too much money, and they wanted uh, Charles Bronson. And they get I, hmm. supposedly they had him on the phone, but he turned them down. And according to some of the stuff I read, he became rather aggressive on the phone and and uh, a little bit belligerent when he read this when he read the script because he's just like, well, I, you know, it was kind of a I'm in death was is it death wish or death race? Is it death wish? Death wish, yeah. Death wish. Um, don't you know my characters never die? So how can I kind of a, how dare you put, you know, ask me to play a role where my character dies. And they said that he was rather belligerent about it and all that kind of thing. And, um, and, uh, you know, so they didn't get him either, but yeah, it was, uh, they had looked at a number of those actors from, um, you know, the silver screen, uh, uh, kind of the, the, the history of the silver screen there to kind of play, play curly. They should have just responded with, but Charles, all men die. Not every, <laughs> not every man truly lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, uh, yeah, so it's just interesting, Jeff, you know, your, your thought of how, you know, they had a guy that, you know, they got someone in that role that I don't, I don't know how to say it without it being a roast. And I don't mean it to be like on the down slope of your career, but you know, obviously towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of their career, is that the right way to say it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But in any event, Jack Palance did uh, add a whole lot of credibility to that role. Gravitas to that role. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where you get into like the middle part of the movie. And because, because, you know, Mitch wanted to make some coffee, then you have a stampede and you've got a bunch of strays that they got to go looking for. And then that's when you get the opportunity for Billy Crystal and Jack Palance. You get Mitch and Curly go off on their own. And then it's kind of just the two of them. And I think, I think that too was something that, I think that's something that Mitch needed. Mitch needed somebody who, was you know an older wiser man to tell him hey look you you get all you're getting all twisted up with your life you've got to find your one thing i think he just i think he needed some kind of a mentor figure or a father figure or somebody to come and say to him look you're you're complicating things simplify it one thing you stick to that one thing you do it and you do it well well curly calls him out yeah Said you city folk, you all come here with the same ideas, the same ideology, the same thinking. You know, and, and in fact, that's such a great scene too, when um, when it's the two of them at night by the fire, mm-hmm. and they kind of call each other out. Yeah, you know, Billy uh, Mitch calls Curly out because he's just being this intimidating figure. Like, look, if you're going to kill me, then do it. Otherwise, leave me alone. And that's enough to show Curly that, you know, this guy isn't just talk. You know, he, 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 there is some guts in him somewhere and he's just lost. And Mm -hmm. Curly, I think is in need of someone to impart his wisdom to that he feels could truly appreciate because clearly the other quote unquote cowboys uh, was Jeff and JD they're not the ones that are going to listen to Curly. No. Curly, Curly knows that. But I think he recognizes something in Mitch. Like, this is someone that could use some, just some words of of life, of my own life experience, whether, you know, he listens to him or not. This is someone that at least I could tell the tell my thoughts to. The, the two of them are good for each other. Yeah. And that's probably my favorite, you know, even with all the other comedy and everything else, I think my favorite part of the movie is that stretch right there in the middle where it's just Mitch and Curly. Just the, the two of them together off on this little side quest. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of tension there, too, because yeah. of the, the buildup. You you have that great introduction of Curly and uh, no-nonsense, gruff, really tough guy isn't there a line and they're like you know his skin looks like it's made out of leather or yeah. something like that yeah you know he's 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 not someone to be reckoned with and, and the audience knows that um so you worry about how the smart ass mitch is going to get along with him 
But yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a great scene. And then you have the scene, uh, the the birth of Norman. And that's a fun little scene, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get in there and pull it out. <laughs> this was not on the brochure. Oh, I lost my watch. <laughs> it was a gift. There's gonna yeah. Be we quote we quote lines from that scene a lot because it's such a funny scene. Yeah. Come on, she's bursting. There's gonna be bursting. <laughs> and then we have you know not long after that, then we have the scene where Curly dies. Uh, we have Curly's funeral. Um, I think Cookie offers probably the best uh, summation that you could probably give. Dear Lord, here we give you Curly. Try not to tick him off. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you're going to say? I got chili burning. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> that guy was fun. And then we get later on uh, to to kind of drive things even further you know cookie gets just raging drunk um and that you know messes with uh their their supplies their supplies go bye-bye and uh it, things get a little crazy we get the confrontation with the drunk cowboys that we kind of already mentioned um and then it kind of comes to a head with this just massive storm that shows up and they've got to they've got to drive the herd through the river and um you know, just that, that real dramatic scene of the three of them, especially trying to get the the herd across the river, uh, in the storm, and you know that the whole thing kind of comes to Mitch's character, you know, taking the lead and and building well, up to that point. Let's circle back for a second though, yeah. and just touch on the the real life moment that Phil has. Mm-hmm. You know, he steps up and he takes care of uh, Jeff and JD, and mm-hmm. yeah. You know, has that, oh my God, what am I doing with my life moment afterwards? And it, again, it's it's one of those moments about just the, the three guys, these three guys that look at each other like brothers. And, you know, it's, we're going to get each other through our crises, whatever they are. None of us is going to go through whatever this crisis is alone. We just have to talk about them and communicate about them so we know how to help each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's turn knocks it out of the park too in that scene. The yeah. The the, the one line that he drops so like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I got some sort of rash from making in the bushes. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Like it adds enough humor to that moment, so it's not to be overly dramatic. Um, but then when you know when they're back in the tent and like, why don't you give me the gun? Oh, I know how to handle a gun. You know, had one at the store. And it's a lot of responsibility, and you have to do this, you have to do that, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. And all of a sudden, it's just like, my God, what, what does my life come to? I'm going to lose <laughs> my family. I'm going to like lose my job. You know, just really well done. Yeah, I think I think I've got here. I think I've got one of the scenes here. Phil, I'm not gonna let a bully us anymore. My father-in-law is a bully. Phil, I hate bullies. 
because a bully doesn't just beat you up. He takes away your dignity. Phil! I hate that. I really hate that. Uh. Sorry. You two go sleep it off. And let's have some peace and quiet around here for Christ's sakes. I'm tired. I've been under a lot of stress. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And I've got some sort of rash for making in the bushes. That's it's just enough comedy to lighten up that moment and kind of get us back to the comedic center or towards the comedic center of the movie. Cause that's a tense moment when he's got the gun to the guy's head. Yeah. You forget for half a second. It's kind of a comedy movie, but you know what, when you just listen to him talk about bullies and how he has been bullied and you know, it's, it, it's his, it's his breaking point. I don't know, just I, I think it's a great scene. Yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, hey, it's it's a do-over like when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all I got. Yeah. No, no, that's that one. And yeah, then finally kind of at the end there, they've got the storm, they make it through the storm, and then they're uh they're bringing in the herd. <laughs> and I love how when they're bringing in the herd, it's to the bonanza theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's nothing quite like bringing in the herd. Curly always said. Nope. Um, and then I mean, uh, every meal, you can't do that. <laughs> well, and then and then at the end of the movie, and I remember as a kid thinking that this was hilarious. And I, when I was a kid, for for various reasons, I was terrified of dogs. But for some reason, the idea of bringing home a cow seemed like that would be like a dog, but not quite so scary. So I don't know. For some reason, as a kid, I thought it was hilarious that he brings home the cow, and that's going to be the family pet. That is funny. Pretty funny. So Norman, Norman is there to stay. All right. Is there anything else before we go into our, our three questions? Anything else you want to say about City Slickers? Anything else to, you know, do you come away with? As we've talked about some of the different things in this movie and how there's some, you know, serious stuff going on here and serious discussion. Um, does it, does it hit for you more or less? Let's ask this. Does it hit for you more like a drama that has a little bit of comedy in it? Or is it still a comedy movie? For me, it's a comedy. I think for the things mentioned earlier that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a uh, vehicle for these guys to show off their comedic chops. Things are, are kind of played for laughs and, um, it's a, it's a fun, heartwarming story. I don't want to undercut it, but I think it, it definitely plays as a comedy for me. I would agree. I would, I, I think that this at the heart of it, it's a comedy it with, with some intense moments, some, some really strong dramatic moments, but a lot of heart and a lot of realism. You know, like I said earlier, that the conversations that the three guys have all the time are just <laughs> very real. You know, the, the, the whole programming, the VCR conversation 
is one that like oh, the, the cows can record something by now. He doesn't get it. You know, that whole thing, like just guys being guys and, and, you know, just trying to live their lives. I, you know, I, I think something for me, when I watch this movie, a, a good takeaway that I have is that life is tough. Life is going to be tough. Got to find a way to laugh through it sometimes. Cause that's all you can do. Right. And, and I, I hope that my comment, I hope I didn't say, Oh, it's just a comedy. I don't think I did, but I don't mean that at all. Like as a, as a just, or to somehow put like comedy on a, on a lower level, so to speak. Like, uh, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes you can get messages across in a little bit of a more easily done manner or a little bit of a clear manner when you use humor. And I think the message of the movie and the heartwarming story and yada, yada, yada was all very strong. It's just, I think that they decided to do it as a comedy as opposed to uh, another format. But I, I, I don't want to say it as like just a comedy, you know, because it's uh I don't know. I think comedy is comedy is hard. Yeah, comedy is challenging. It's quite the opposite of just a comedy, right? It, right. It's an exemplar of what comedy could be, which again, right. it's why I'm just shocked that it landed at a, a 68% credit rating. Yeah. 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 I, for me, I, I got the much, you know, since it's been a long time since I'd seen this movie, I think I got the much more heavy adult themes than I ever had before. So I think that's one of the things that stuck out to me this time was that I, if you would ask me before watching this a couple of weeks ago, um, I would have said city slickers. Yeah. It's total comedy. And then watching it this time, I was like, huh, I don't actually remember like the scenes that were the, the, the ones we've all talked about, the tense scenes, the kind of serious, honest conversations, not always serious, but the kind of honest conversations between the three friends. I clearly did not pick up on that, you know, even the last time I watched it in high school, it was still, yeah, this is a funny movie. It's a comedy movie. But this time, watching it, obviously, as a much older adult, I picked up on those things a whole lot more this time around. So, and and just added a new dimension to the movie. Now it's not, it is still a comedy, but it's not just a comedy. And I think I appreciate it even more for that. They, they had a really nice balance between the comedic moments and the real life moments. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. It, it seemed very natural, you know, when they have their conversation, what, you know, what was your best day? What was your worst day? A lot of times a scene like that could fall into the, this movie's trying too hard to do a thing, but it all just seemed to, to fit so naturally because you know the the friendship between these three guys just seems so real and so genuine that why wouldn't they have these conversations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And clearly, getting them to talk about you know they're getting each other to talk about things that, despite how well they know each other, they've never really talked about. Seemingly, never really talked about before. Right. When, when Mitch talks about how his wife had found, uh, found a lump and had to go in for testing. The other guys didn't know about that. And Ed's sharing the story about when his, uh, when his dad left, mm-hmm. 
you know, you'd think that that was, that would be something that they would know already. So they're really reconnecting as friends in a way that, uh, you know, they're still learning about each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do I know? I'm just the eye candy. You're just eye candy. That's all right. Deep thoughts, Jeff. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts with Jeff. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. Question you know number I, one. I made a mistake earlier. Oh, what you mean? I, refer, I referred to one of the cowboys as being JD. Apparently his name was TR. Mm. That's, I, don't know, I don't know what I was watching, but somebody named JD, but apparently I had those initials in my head. It's all letters. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. It's all basically, it's all basically the same thing. Uh, this may be this may be an easy answer. Would you ever do the running of the bulls in Pamplona? No. Oh, see, I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised too. <laughs> I thought for sure Pat would have been. I I knew yeah. that I was definitely going to be a real quick no because there's a lot of surface area for me to be gored, um, but I kind of thought Pat might have said yes. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to be a no. Like, I think, uh, I, uh, I know some people that have, I know some people that got kind of banged up doing it. Uh, (laughs) so, um, but that's a story for another time. Um, no, I, I would be a no, I, I think a nothing other level than I just, uh, why, why try and antagonize the animals? Like, that's where I come from. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm, you know, like if, if, you know, we're outside with the kids at school and there's like a bird on the ground and everyone's running up to the bird and it's like, guys, back up, just give it room, give it space, you know, or if there's, you know, we're at the farm or at the, at the ranch and the kids, you know, there's a horse and the kids are kind of like petting it real intensely and it's, things are amping up. It's like, guys, guys, let's just, Let's leave the animal alone. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I poked the bear. Why, why am I giving all these lurid examples? Not lurid, but these wordy examples. I just, I'm not a poke the bear kind of guy. Okay. You or, know, so I just. Or the bull in this it, case. In this case, the bull. But uh, yeah. Yeah. There's too many other things that I need my body for that I'd like to do in my life. And getting it kind of nicked up doing that kind of thing is not, is not in the, uh, is not in the cards. Okay. Hey, pal, I so, didn't make you run. What did no. you say? Hey, pal, I didn't make you run. <laughs> I hung a bull breathing snot all over me and me run. You made me stand in front of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. What about you, Jeffrey? Nah. No? I, I, I don't think this is something that is in my pantheon of things I, I'm going to do sometime. Okay. Well then again, I don't know. Like if I happen to be wandering through Spain, as you do, 
and uh, stumble across the running of the bulls. If I just go for a, a small stretch of it, it's just say, say, yeah, I did it. And then climb up a fence and get the hell out of the way. Mm-hmm. You would run after the bulls. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's a safer bet. So maybe the bulls are going to participate in the running of the Jeff running of the Jeff. <laughs> yeah. All the bulls are like, Hey, come on. But see, that's, I've, I've been on enough farms to know that I don't want to be on either end of a bull. I don't think I want to be in front of one or behind one. Yeah. But the and, running of the and, Jeffs, uh, like I, I, I would actually like to see the running of the Jeffs now. <laughs> well, we should have that. Would we get back to pep rallies? That could be a faculty student. Pat, would you participate if we if we pulled a multiplicity and just cloned Jeff? Would you participate in the running of the Jeffs? I would participate in the running of the Jeffs. Where we open up the gate and we've got like maybe two dozen Jeffs that just come running out. Would you participate and then in that? I would. I'd run in. Yeah. I'd run. I'd run in front and go like. <laughs> I love Indiana Jones, but Temple of Doom was culturally insensitive. <laughs> Let's be clear. Out of two dozen Jeffs, not a single one of them would come out running. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I did that rally where I ran around a lot and almost gave myself a heart attack in front of the entire student body. Dude, you were working it that day. You, you, were, uh, you were killing it, man. Hey, you amped- anything for the children. You took that uh, pep assembly deal to the next level. There was a level you were beyond. Well, the guy that, you know, ran the pep assemblies before me was kind of boring. So I had to kick oh, it up and down. I'm trying to remember. We shouldn't mention names. I, I So don't. But I don't remember who it was. I remember who it was. I don't. We'll have to do it off the air. I don't want to embarrass anyone. It, it wasn't was, me, was it? It was me, Pat. Oh. <laughs> was it really you? Oh, you're just roasting yes. John? Who, who also sacrificed his mind and body for the good of the children. Was it really John? I don't even know how many concussions I probably gave myself doing stuff during those pep assemblies. I just remember when we blew out the speakers doing the uh, karaoke. We do. We did blow out the speakers, and I did. We did. I don't think they've ever been gotten better because everyone complains about the speakers in the old gym, and I say I don't think they've been replaced since Reed and I blew them out karaokeing. Yeah, I think that's actually why I stopped is be, or why I was asked to stop maybe is because I injured Dennis. We blew out the speakers. It just, things were not going well, and the common denominator was me, so I think they removed me from the equation because I kept breaking things and people. Yeah. But that's all right. I'm I'm just also going to say with the running all the bulls, and I I don't want to get all judgy, but I'm going to get all judgy. You know, when it ends with the bullfighting thing where, you know, all all the animals get uh, killed, I I, I don't know, I kind of... not, not, not a fan of that whole. Uh, not a fan of that whole. Not it, a fan of that whole deal. If it didn't end with the bullfight and the bulls getting killed, and if instead of Jeff, it was the running of the bulls, but it was a bunch of clones of bull from Night Court, <laughs> would you participate in that? So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I might I, even participate in that one. I, I might participate in that. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> but the actual mm. running of the bulls, no. No, no, no. No, that's, you know, the when I think of running of the bulls and, you know, the phrase hitting the broad side of a barn, that's, I feel like that applies to me. So I'm not doing the running of the bulls. There's a lot of surface area they can hit. 
All right. Question number two. Our second the question. Jeffs, is- the Jeffs are loose. The Jeffs are loose. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I liked all the Ghostbuster sequels, even the remake with the all female cast. <laughs> It's just... I wonder what it would take to get me to run after somebody. Yeah. Oh, I mean, hmm. you know, go the go the like. If you had to, if your kids were in danger or your family was in, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, that, I mean, I mean, that's that, not, yeah, that, but we're we're talking about in 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 sport, so oh. to speak. right, like if, like. Uh, is there something someone could insult? Like if they said that Casablanca was the worst movie ever, mm-hmm. would you run after them for that? Or, but see, you're you're kind of like the Billy Crystal in this. You're like, no, just let the bully be the bully. And yeah, like okay, yeah. that's not, I feel sad for you that in your sheltered world, that's yeah, you're wrong. You, you just you have to believe. Sit there well, in your wrongness and be wrong. That's like your opinion, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm, or, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this tonight. Okay. Well, probably the same thing that would get me enough guts to get on stage and actually sing a song, um, much less something like Frank Sinatra. So there you go, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, there's no way I could do the stuff that you do. So. Oh, thank you kindly. No, I mean that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's that same that same kind of deal. Hmm. So speaking of stuff we might be terrified to do, uh, question number two, if you were going on some kind of adventure vacation, what would you choose to do? Because these guys had a bunch of different adventure vacations in mind, and some were a little more extreme. But I, I don't think I'm cut out to do adventure vacations. Not an adventure vacationer? I'm, I'm really not. I'd like If I go on vacation, I like the opportunity to do as little as possible. Mm-hmm. That's my idea. Yeah. Seeking out adventure, adventure, excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. Correct. So mm-hmm. that's my. I, I'm rejecting the question. Okay. Oh, I don't. I don't have a Jeff rejected your question. It doesn't happen often. No. Here, hold on. I I can do the. I'll I'll say. Jeff rejected your question. All right. That worked. Yeah, m- mine would usually be more Jeff has added on extra spaces for answers. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I, th- I thought you were going to have a list of like, you know. No, like it, 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 the, the adventure stuff is just not something that I ever really got into wanting to do. Yeah. Jeff, to, that, to your point earlier, Jeff has taken my spreadsheet and added cells. Dun, dun, yeah. That's all right. Um, yeah, I don't mean either. I'm not like I'm not an adventure vacationer kind of person. I I was trying to look up like some adventure vacations around the world, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not skydiving. I'm not. I'm I'm definitely not rock climbing. I'm just not coordinated enough for a lot of the adventure vacations. So I looked at a few of them, and I was like, the the one that one thing that even seemed a little bit interesting to me. I I won't go underwater because I'm not a good swimmer, um, and floating in space terrifies me. But the one that I thought was kind of interesting, we started watching the other day, because um, I got some new speakers in the living room, and I got them set up with the Apple TV. So I wanted to test out the surround sound 
thing on them. And so I put on uh, Disney Plus has this National Geographic show with Will Smith called Welcome to Earth. Hmm. And it's got if if you have some nice speakers in the area where you have your television, uh, that's a good show for it because the very first episode is on sound. And there is oh, cool. uh, the segment in that one is Will Smith and a a climber who is completely blind and another uh, a volcanologist actually go down into the crater of an active volcano. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, mm-hmm. I'm watching this and I'm going, how far down are you going into this? And they went kind of far down, um, but enough that I was like, I could do that. Like, I, I don't think I'd stay there very long, but I could totally do that. I realize my voice is getting very high pitched, so it's like, it's fine. I'd be totally it's, fine with that. I don't know why it's coming out all high it's and squeaky. squeaky. Really, I'm fine. <laughs> do you know what we should do? We should calm ourselves. <laughs> should we call ourselves? No. <laughs> we should all do dinner. The only one, like the only, <laughs> I'm making fajitas. <laughs> fajitas. Um, the only adventure, in, I'm putting this in quote fingers. Uh, ding ding. Um, the only adventure vacation that I would even consider that would put me a little bit on edge would be uh, I looked a couple of things up and they have these like haunted tours in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm. I do not do well with it. Anything that might imply that horror movies I've seen is real, I don't do well with that because I have an overactive imagination. So mm-hmm. that would be like the extent of my adventure vacation. It would not be climbing. It would not be swimming. It would not be doing any of those. It wouldn't be diving off of anything or jumping off of anything. It would probably be just walking through an area that just scares the absolute just whatever out of me. I'd consider but, doing that. Yeah. But John, you work at the district office. You do that every day. Well, you know. <laughs> I was going to say that could cycle right back. We all work in a junior high. We right. do that every day. So you, you, I mean, you, you deal regularly with like 12, 13, and 14-year-olds. So, Hi, I'm John. Where are you from originally? <laughs> Get her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Pat, Jeff, can I talk to you for a second? All right. <laughs> The uh, the normal stuff's not working. <laughs> the usual stuff's not working. Well, there we go. If we ever go on a haunted tour, I want to go with you guys. I, I would do a haunted tour. Okay. I don't know if I, if that'd be considered adventure, but yeah, you're like right. I've, you're right, Pat. No book, no human would stack books this way. That's right. I've, I've gone camping. I've gone whitewater rafting. I've gone. Okay. Uh, bungee jumping. You bungee jumped. I did. Was it fun? It was terrifying. <laughs> I can imagine. I can I, imagine. I, I had to be pushed off the ledge, literally. Because I, I couldn't, I could not get my body to do this thing that my body was like, you're not supposed to do this. Yeah. So the, wow. the, the guy running the thing tricked me a little bit into putting my body weight a little bit forward and then he just put his other hand on my back and shoved me over the edge. Mm-hmm. 180 feet up in the air. It was, it was, it happened fast. I yeah. see. I've, I've been on a roller coaster before where the bar that was keeping me in place did not feel super, super secure, especially mm-hmm. when there was a portion where it did the loop to loop and went upside down. So I don't think I do bungee jumping because 
I don't know if the listening audience knows. I'm not a small person. <laughs> so I don't know. Something about bungee jumping is just, yeah. I've stretched a, a, a rubber band too far before, and I know what happens. So I'm just, I'm not going to do the bungee jumping part. Hmm. I think that would terrify me too much. I would rather, I would rather psychologically terrify myself and do a haunted tour than do something like bungee jumping. All right, Pat, what wouldn't you do? Maybe it's still for short list. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't want to misrepresent, you know, like there's a, there's plenty of stuff that I, that I, uh, that I wouldn't do. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't do. I um, honestly, like I'll tell you, I don't even know. I don't know if it's like adventure necessarily, but I mean, the ones that I look at are like, uh, you know, I've seen these cruises that are like, they, they cater to runners and they'll go up and cruise different places and they'll like stop. And then it's like, um, you know, it'll stop in a place like wilderness or whatever. And it'll be like, okay, take that path for the, this distance, take this path for this distance, take this path for this distance. And then you got to like the boat, the cruise ship will sail to the next like port and you've got to get there. You know, it's not like a challenge, but you know, you can go and, and it just takes you to all these beautiful spots for running and all that kind of thing. And I've, I've often thought that would be pretty cool. Um, Jeff, these are the when you go through the cruise catalog, these are the pages that people like you and I would flip past really fast. Yeah, I'm usually looking for like the menu. Yeah. Like Yeah. Yeah. Well what do they have at the buffet on the cruise? I mean well, Pat, I'm Pat, just... Pat said these are cruises with runners, and I was like, Yes, table runners. Table what kind of table runners are they putting on these hey, beautiful hey, tables? I'm just... Hey man, I, you're not gonna see me signing up for no haunted mansions unless I'm going with you guys. And I I've never bungee jumped, so I don't want to like, you know, I, I can't claim all this kind of thing, but I mean, that sounds pretty cool. And then, I mean, you know, like there's a picture there, like a bunch of people on a cruise ship, like running back and forth along the ship, like <laughs> running cruise, where are we going to run? Uh, how about that a, way? In a big circle, um, oh, which, God. which there is like the one cruise I was on the one, there was a, uh, a deck for running. And it was the official deck that you could run on and all that. And I'll tell you, when you're in somewhat heavy seas and you're running up as the boat is going up and down on the swell, it's pretty, it's kind of a different feeling. You know what I'm saying? Um, the other thing I don't know is, is they've got these, uh, you know, races where it's like they're stage races. And, uh, you know, there's one where you like run through the desert, um, the Sahara, you know, it's like a six day stage race and you know there's i was reading about it and there's like a modicum of like I, I think there's a helicopter that will come and get you if you're in medical need and all that kind of stuff but you got to carry all your i had the same reaction like oh that sounds good yeah <laughs> no no it comes and gets you if like you can't make it out um when, when you can't make it out when you can't make it out or there's you know you, but you gotta carry there, your there, food and stuff. is there like a is there like a, a frequent pun uh frequent rider punch card for the helicopter that like you <laughs> that, can get like the 10th ride free or something yeah i i don't know okay. i don't know i don't know about that but i mean like uh I, I would think about that you know and i don't know how much like adventure like i don't know if i'm gonna you know if you're gonna be attacked by like wild mountain lions or something but the idea that you gotta like train and be ready to do something like that. I don't know, like a stage run or, you know, run like a, the Appalachian trail or, you know, something like that. Like, I think that would be something, some kind of cool to look at. I, I mean, you know, the, the fun stuff, like, I mean, maybe, you know, getting a trip into space with Bezos, 
you know, might be kind of fun. Um, kind of fun. That would actually be pretty freaking awesome. But, uh, uh, you know, or a ride in like an F-16 or an F-18 Hornet or something like that would be awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose going to space would be cool. But, yeah, I guess, I guess you know, like, a, like an adventure vacation, um, that, would be, that would be something like that. It's like a stage race where it's five or six days. You got to get from this point to this point. Or, um, yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. Actually, I know that'd be pretty cool. All right. I'm, I'm going to ask question three, but before I do that, I did very, very quickly want to say for years, I have been saying that when I die, I want to be shot into the sun. And <laughs> my lovely wife's response is always the same. NASA has better things to do than shoot you into the sun. However, we were joking about this again the other day for some reason, even though I get the same response, you know, insanity. It's, you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different response. And the other day I joked about this again and she's like, fine, you know what? So she opens it, gets her phone, starts looking. I'm like, what are you looking at? She's like, I'm looking to see if people will shoot you into space after you're dead. And oddly enough, yes, there are, there are, you can buy all these different packages for how far you want to be shot into space and in what manner of capsule you want to be shot into space. And actually it's not that it's not as expensive as I thought it would be. So that has nothing to do. That's like, afterlife adventure vacation but yeah i i was i was kind of pleased to find out that i could be shot into space after i die how yeah. far you get into space i mean i'm intrigued by that as well like it like once you get out there don't you just keep going no yeah, like, no like, so the lower the lower packages depending like on what you're paying for and they pull you back well, the lower packages of what they pay for, what you're paying for, is a low Earth orbit in which you end up oh. going into space just above the atmosphere and you come back down within like an hour or two. So mm-hmm. that's like that's like the cheapest package. Like you got to go to space, <laughs> but then you came back, um, which I don't know. That seems like you're already dead. That's kind of another disappointment. Um, it seems like one of those I'm trying to get away and they pull me right back in yeah, kind of deals. Just when I thought I was out. Um and then as you go up into the more expensive packages, then yes, they will. I think one of the ones is they they try to, what was it? Uh, they try to kind of uh, fix the traje- trajectory of the rocket so that your capsule will ultimately end up landing on the moon and they'll shoot you. And you're like, mm. and, but then part of it is like, yeah, but then you're like littering the moon. Yeah. Like, why am I, why am I, there's enough trash up there, up in space that we've already caused. Why am I doing that? Shoot me into the sun. Like, that's the whole, there was another one, I guess, where you could be shot and, and they would try to get it so that you would collide with a comet. I'm like, well, I'm, this is not Armageddon. Like, I'm not trying to blow up some comet on its way. I don't want to be the guy known for destroying Halley's Comet after it's been here for, you know, eons. So, yeah. yes, there are different packages that you can purchase into uh, if you so choose. But um, I, I think, man, yeah. like send me send me out. You know what I'm saying? Like send me out, like just send me out. Yeah. So that like, you know, 400 years from now, when the Enterprise is cruising around, they find me. Right. And with future technology, they reassemble me. And now I'm in the future. Mm-hmm. Space, awesome. space seed, Pat. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Botany Bay. I was going to say, I'm totally putting something oh, Botany Bay no. in your capsule. No kidding, man. I wouldn't be psycho like Khan. I'm not going to like try and take over. No. How's your three-dimensional thinking? <laughs> I got some three-dimensional thinking. You nice. know what I'm saying? I'll give him this. He's persistent. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, or he's consistent, not persistent. He's, that's right. That's he's, right. Either one. It all works. All right. Question number three is what activity. So we talked about here in the movie, um, his uh, his wife, Mitch's wife, tells him, go and go find your smile. Lately, what has been helping you find your smile? And a hush fell upon the crowd. <laughs> None of us have smiles. There's a lot I could say, but I'm going to wait till after because I don't want to record it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, what makes you smile, man? You know, I'm going to play the uh, the sappy cheesy card here, and, I, and I'm going to say podcasting with you guys. Right. I don't get to do that all that often. So the moments that I do, the nights that I get to uh, get to hang out with you guys, just it makes me really happy. It's the cheers phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well said. I was just saying, I think I was saying to you or I was saying to John, dude, I'm excited for tonight. I just legit look forward to recording the pod. Yeah. Well said, man. All right. I'm I'm gonna was that your answer too, Pat? Yeah, I'm gonna daily double it. I like uh, Jeff, I'm gonna I'm gonna get behind you. The- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna also agree with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, as long as you agree with me, you can get wherever you want. There it is, man. Well, see, that was gonna be my sappy answer too. So I don't know if if I'm Getting behind the both of you. That's like a human's. No, I'm not going there. Um, now, it's, now, it's, now it's just crowded. Three's a crowd. I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard of it. Um, yeah, that's that's my answer, too. Like, I, even if things are, you know, kind of kind of crappy at work or, you know, if the if the weeks are busy and whatnot, like, I always, always have fun you know, hopping on here and talking movies with you guys. And I, you know, I used to don't anymore, but I used to work in the same building as you all, except for Bo. Um, and so I used to actually see you all in person pretty much every day, multiple times a day. And I miss that, you know, there's not the same, I, I do enjoy what I'm doing, but it's very different and it's a very different atmosphere than when I was working in the same building with you guys. And we'd be able to, you know, just chat in between our class periods or at lunch or whatever. And, so or, you know, this is during class when I'd come strolling in and or, or during or when I would come strolling into your class or yeah. Disruptive completely. Yeah. When students are sitting there going, aren't we supposed to be learning? Hey, shut up. As as I do to Pat all the time. There you go. Kids, the adults are... the adults are talking. You've got a pencil and paper. Draw something. I don't know. Learn. Yeah. Learn of which we speak. Learn a thing. That's not true. Every every gentleman on this call is a fantastic educator, and everyone at some point in time should go into their classroom. I mean, not unless you've passed security checks, but should go into their classroom and watch them in action. I don't think we've ever. I don't think we've ever told kids to just sit there and draw. Could we say the same thing about being a quality educator if everyone was on the call? Um. Anyway. Are you picking on Dennis? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm, you know, I mean, Bo's not an educator, so to speak. Uh, I've learned a lot from Bo. 
Bo was Bo was actually one of the first people to teach me how to edit video. Yeah, good on Bo. When we were in high school, I was doing a video project, and that was back before like computer and iMovie and what. I was actually in the LHS TV editing lab, and I wanted to do something super fancy for this project for my science class and my French class. And I was like, Bo, I want to like try to edit these things together, but I have them on like a couple of different VHS tapes. How do we do that? And so he actually was he was working the uh, Libertyville High School TV production stuff at the time. He's like, yeah, come on in. I'll show you how to do it. So, so yes, I will count Bo as an ed- educator as well because he has educated me. Well, there we go. So, I, You know, it's funny. I don't think of myself as an educator. I mean, I, as a teacher. Like, whenever I think of teacher, I think of, like, like, like the, 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 the titans, the colossus, the colossi of teachers, you know, some of which I was fortunate enough to have. We can't all, you know, be, I lang- kinda, we can't all be language arts teachers. We can't all. No, very few of us can. Very few of us can. Or the math teachers. I don't understand what they do. I can't be a math teacher. It was my understanding there would be no math. I I could not be a teacher. I don't think I'd survive as a teacher. I'll just, I'll I'll stick to being a band director. I think you would do just fine. I I don't know, man. I think the funny thing, though, I think the funny thing about the three of us, because, Jeff, you are now a history teacher. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the three of us actually would probably, if if we were to go, if I was to go back into the classroom, and I know, Pat, at different times, you've kind of said if you were to teach in a different classroom setting, I feel like all three of us would be history teachers. <sighs> yeah, we would. We should we should move to a place and be the history department. That'd be a good time. Why don't we co-co-teach, and all three of us could teach the same class and drink hot chocolate? Uh, all of those things would be good. What if we taught a history of film? class mm. Mm. that would be fun jeff i i just died in your arms tonight that's one of the most beautiful things i've ever heard thank you <laughs> and there's john's one thing making it awkward <laughs> there's john's pat, finger <laughs> pat, pat and i have talked about starting like an afternoon after school club of movies and movie music and all that mm-hmm. we should revisit that idea pat yeah that would be pretty sweet that would be cool sometime in the off season for you though yeah if you have an off season i don't even know anymore yeah there's off seasons there's off seasons all right well and that's going to do it for this episode and for city slickers so thank you pat and thank you jeff for being here with me and uh if you guys ever want to go on a cattle drive i mean i'd, I'd give it a try I'm not guaranteeing we'd all come out alive. I'll drive you to the to a to a burger restaurant. We can do yes. that. Yes. I I I I'm just saying oh, I'm just the saying best, w- the best Norman is the one covered in blue cheese and bacon. Yeah, I don't want to drive the cattle and they all get slaughtered though. I don't want any part of that whole deal. Well No, we're not gonna drive them to get slaughtered. We're gonna reap the benefits of the slaughter having happened. Yeah, yeah. I don't know though. I I'd be yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'd like a cattle drive, though. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, I know Pat's not going to be down for the burger part, but I'll go with you. I'll, I'll order some fries. There you go. I'll order some French fries. Some plain white toast and a Coke. <laughs> Four fried chickens and a Coke. <laughs> and the toast. Uh, that was a 
That was, oh, here's another one for the running of the Jeffs. Ah, Blues Brothers is the greatest musical. That's it. That thought too. Hey, Blues Brothers is a great musical. Run, 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 run. There you go. Temple uh, of Doom. Ah, uh, the 30 the something podcast greatest hits. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Favorite Christmas movie is Lethal Weapon and I Heard. Hey, did I tell you I've I've kind of come around on my thinking about Die Hard as a Christmas movie? Oh, oh did you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we'll save it for another episode. All right. We'll come see. around in that you don't break things when people say it, or come around like you're considering it. Another episode. You just said okay. Another episode. Okay. Another episode. We'll or explore. off the air. Whatever. We'll explore that further. All right, everybody, we are members of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network, so head over to scenestealersglobal.com and check them out. If you want to find more about us, you've got our website. You can go check out 30podcast.com. We are at 30 Podcast on most of the different social media outlets. And then our next episode's coming up. This was the last one of 1991, so we are diving right on ahead into 1992 um the the benefit for you all is that we don't rest and so too long there you go should hold acquaintance be forgot no keep going i'm just i'm, I'm right. underscore. i was i was enjoying the singing oh. yeah um but uh, yeah, so this is our last one. But uh, the benefit for you all, because we don't sleep uh, or we don't rest, is that we have we've recorded all the episodes we need, so that we're not taking a break this year. So uh, our holiday or Christmas gift to you is that you're getting nonstop episodes all the way up into uh, from you know this holiday time and through the new year. So um, at this point, with this episode coming out. It's going to be pretty close to either Christmas or right around the time of New Year's. So uh, we hope that if you celebrate Christmas, you had a wonderful Christmas um, and a very happy New Year. And we'll see you all back here in, for us, it'll be 1992. Uh, But the episodes we got coming up next, our Patreon for January is To Kill a Mockingbird from 1962. Uh, Yeah. And I, I can't wait to talk about that one, too. That is such an amazing movie. So I'm looking forward to chatting about that one. Um, And then we've got Lethal Weapon 3 is coming up. We've got Hoffa. We've got My Cousin Vinny, Passenger 57. Then in February, we have got our Patreon is Favorite Movies with Female Leads. Then we've got A League of Their Own, Basic Instinct, Single White Female, Jennifer 8, and Sister Act. So as always, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. And we Thank will you, John. See, we'll see you all back here next time. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And we will see you back here in 1992.